This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And thanks for joining me for another Blunt Business on CannabisRio.com. Got a great guest for you today. My next guest is the co-founder and former CEO of MedMen Enterprises. Such a big deal. We told this is the first chance we first chance we get him here on Cannabis Radio. The MedMen Enterprises, the first American cannabis unicorn, once the most recognized brand of the marijuana industry, cannabis industry. I never said marijuana. In his decade of leading the company, we grew, they grew the business to five states. 33 retail stores, and more than 1,500 employees. I know about the store itself because I got to go and visit and see one of them, West Palm Beach, Florida, downtown Clamata Street. And now it was there. I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, with that said, he is working today with cannabis companies and investors to expand consumer access on a global scale and his continued effort to lead the industry into the mainstream and end cannabis prohibition. I'm here with cannabis advocate and entrepreneur, Adam Beerman here on Blood Business. Adam, thanks for being on. Awesome to be on with you today. So I, for anybody that's looking for me to go ahead and for any questions I'm going to ask, we're going to definitely go and touch on MedMen, but there is quite a bit you're doing for yourself going forward. But what I want to start off with now is taking us back to 2019. So where things were, <clears throat> where MedMen had been at such a level, the red, that the red color, I mean, just so much, if so much of a spotlight from the media, whether it's from the industry media or from mainstream media that was going on about what was going on here. So 2019, a year after hitting an all-time high on the Canadian uh, stock market, MedMen will lose 95% of its value. Your personal wealth being affected when you were all in on your investment and advisors would recommend you diversify your assets. assets. Instead, you bought more MedMen stock. You you were dead set. You were confident about where things were going. Then came the lawsuits, and then men, men basically disappeared. So, like I said, there's the third, fourth location. I remember it was in Orlando, and I forget what the, another was. I forget, but in West Palm Beach, I saw the store. I saw the Apple store like layout, set the trend of the dispensaries. And then, not even a year later, COVID didn't probably help this either for matters, but the store closed. You left the company, you gave up your board seat and your voting rights. 
So while MedMen got a lot of press that you kept uh, that kept you under a microscope, they've gone through three CEOs since you left, and they have not recovered since. They're still trying to find their way. So obviously, there's something to be said about that, which I'm not going to bring up. But talk to me, Adam, about the biggest takeaways as an entrepreneur that you take while pursuing the next venture you look to find, because that was quite a 10-year run you had. Thanks, man. I have to go see my shrink after this. I got to relive. Uh, that's a three minutes. You, you relive 10 years, man. Um, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And that's all true. Um, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, there's just so much to take away from that experience, which was so rich, you know, the experience itself building what we built over that time. Right. You know, I, I think I think that where we are today is, as you just said, right, I left, there's been three CEOs, you know, um, and then you said something like the lawsuits happen. Um, I think there's this public perception based on the stories that have been told in the media of that first cannabis unicorn, right, of the company and the brand that made this mainstream. I'll actually believe those stories would have been told about that company and the person who might have been the face to that company, regardless of who that company was and who that face might have been. It happened to be me, the guy that goes to bed at 8 p.m., but it didn't matter, right? That, that guy had to be a party animal because, you know, that person was the face of the future of weed, right? And so, you know, as I look back on, you say, like the biggest takeaways, I think, you know, one of the takeaways is that experience is king. Without experience, we're making you know decisions based on um, incomplete information. And when you're trying to pioneer something, when you're trying to do it for the first time, that experience doesn't yet exist. And so there's no way to have complete information when you make those decisions for the very first time. And looking back on what did I learn as a young entrepreneur, there's a naivete about the fact that you can overcome that inexperience, right? At some point, all entrepreneurs that want to manifest an idea say to themselves, I know this hasn't been done or I haven't done it, but I can, right? So you're, 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 you're succeeding in the face of that deficit. But looking back on the company we were able to build, one of the biggest takeaways was, you know, without experience, without people that had been there before, gone through the public markets gauntlet before, you know, started a brand new industry before, you know, taken on these type of investments and dollars from these type of groups before, unless you'd been there before, right, there was no playbook, there was no script to look at. Um, and so we made decisions every day. And some of them were right, some of them were wrong. And, you know, more were right than wrong for us to have the run we had, but with experience, right, we would have been focused on other stuff, because a lot of the answers might have been there. That's a big takeaway as I look at what's next and I look at the industry today and where the industry stands and where I think the opportunities are. Another big thing for me takeaway is, you know, I never did an interview. I said this a lot. No, I never did an interview over those 10 years when I spoke at where I spoke as myself. Mm -hmm. I always spoke as the spokesperson for something else. You know, most of the time it was the movement. A lot of the times it was the CEO of this public company. But I never did it as an individual. And I think that was wrong um, because I think that there's a humanity to this <clears throat> that is there. We don't have to fake it, right? The people that have been leading this movement, whether it's in the business side or on the advocacy side for so long, right? They're believers. Why else would you put yourself through this? And so that human side of things, 
I think I should have been and going forward, I, I, I plan to be open about it all. Right. If people understood what was really going on, the public, the media, if the truth was out there, I think we would make a lot more progress. So, for example, the truth isn't that there were the lawsuits. I left MedMen and now they can't find a CEO to stick. The truth is over a 12 month span, while MedMen was the tip of the sphere, really three things happened that um, I personally couldn't recover from as the CEO. Right. The first one was we took on debt from Gotham Green, a $250 million loan. Yeah. It was the first time in U.S. cannabis, something like that, it had ever happened. Um, the people we were taking the money from, these weren't upstanding institutional investors rooting for the company. These were people who were taking a shot at stealing something. But you know, being the first and being that traditional investors weren't available, traditional lenders were available, right? This is who we were dealing with. And I signed those documents and those documents made it almost impossible to survive based on the covenants of the things they put in, right? So that was one. Here's a big one that hasn't been talked about. The second thing that happened over those 12 months is that we announced and, and we entered into a deal to buy Pharmacan. MedMen purchasing Pharmacan would have given MedMen the entire country. Pharmacan had what I consider to be the other important markets that MedMen didn't have at the time. And so a combination of those companies would make MedMen, uh, cement MedMen as the national leader. And so we entered into a first of its kind transaction where, you know, the size of that deal was so large that it triggered um, uh, oversight from the Department of Justice in the United States, think about this, a federally illegal business, right? For the first time, the Department of Justice would get involved to make sure that the federally illegal business wouldn't violate antitrust laws. Let's do a whole class on that. That was that was crazy. But what happened, we find out later is Bill Barr, you know, uh, uh, at the time decided that marijuana was not going to be successful and he was going to use my Pharmacan deal to show everyone that he actually went in and he sabotaged that deal. He purposefully killed that deal. And in so doing, right, it put us and put me in a place where it wasn't some silly made up lawsuit that was filed by a disgruntled employee. It was the fact that the market gave us credit for a half a billion dollar merger. And the attorney general of the United States himself made sure that merger didn't go through. And then on the heels of all of that, the capital markets froze. There was no capital. So that was my departure. Um, no, let me, and let me even, go ahead and unpack a couple of things out of that, Adam, real quick. So when it comes to the MSO expansion, all right, MSOs have been expanding for the last couple of years because they're all ramping up for legalization, which, by the way, I'm going to continue to say three to five years down the line. I don't expect it anytime soon. Safe Banking Act, they made the attempts. God bless you, Congress, for trying on the lame duck session and all throughout last year. Hell, I even listened to an interview with the, but well, you know, outside with the NCAA, they're going to do an episode of uh, their cannabis industry toys talk about lobby days and the things they were going through, which I can't talk about, of the levels of effort that Congress tried to make to get safe banking or even legalization passed, which it's some part of it's part partisan and part of it's other like what what do you need to ask for? How much lobbying money have you spent with us lately? Basically, that men men's going to be the model of MSO expansion and companies that are going to use that strategy regularly. They're going to probably expand too fast. So the the idea of where you went and trying to go fast and because, you know, the money's coming in, the growth, you, the, 
the growth um, justifies the moves that are being made. Then the fact you talk about being that CEO having to be the spokesperson as opposed to being Adam Bierman. Seeking to appease the investors and shareholders to grow the company aggressively than going for a modest approach. You know, an ambitious CEO, people are going to want to see, hey, we want you to make money for us. How much money can you make, you know, without breaking uh, without breaking the, the company? That's the idea of that, too. Then CEOs coming after one successful CEO. So the fact that they can't find somebody else that's going to even stand up to what you were able to do, you know, regardless of where things went with the company. But then you said it yourself, the Pharmacan deal, the U.S. Attorney General Brill Barr putting a microscope on, hey, having his own, maybe a personal agenda because he has a personal stake, just like Jeff Sessions did, the former senator, uh, you know, for, for going after you know, the other attorney general that also did not like cannabis either. So, you know, they're going to have their own witch hunt for what they're going to do, that government microscope, so that deals like Pharmacan, because that chance of nationwide exposure, companies would take that risk, even if they were cash flow positive, even though we don't have the money for it. We're going to go for it anyway because we know what's going to happen if we get it. That's a lot of obstacles to go through, Adam. And that I can only I want to get your take on that. Just the fact that it is something where, I mean, no matter what who it was, the decisions you made, any other CEO in the right mind most likely would have taken those same routes. Well, here's how I look at it: <clears throat> um, is that to do what we did during that time frame, right? Built what we built because we built an industry, an asset class, a business, a brand, all at the same time, right? Before MedMen was the first unicorn, the first billion dollar company in the US, like there weren't any companies worth 600 million, 700 million, 500 million, not even close, right? And so to do that, you know, for the first time, um, you know, everybody uh, that was involved or a lot of the people that were involved at the time, that was a massive success. There were a lot of decisions that were made looking back to get us to that place. And if, you know, some of those decisions had gone differently, you know, maybe the attempt at becoming that first unicorn, we wouldn't have gotten there. Maybe we would have gotten almost there. You know what I mean? Um, or maybe we would have failed um, because failure is part, especially of building something new. You have to fail a lot as you do it. Um so, you know, I think that looking back when I appreciate you saying most CEOs would have made the same decisions, I think the person who was in my shoes at that time in history, right, who would create the permanence for our industry, everybody looking back would fully expect that person to make the decisions I made all the way through. I look back, I don't have any regrets. I understand how I made those decisions and, I, you know, whoever was in that chair Thank God they made those decisions because we're now sitting here talking about the factors complacency and the end of prohibition because people take it for granted and that there's multi-billion dollar companies on stock exchanges. That wasn't true when we started. That wasn't the conversation, right? So, um, you know, I just think it's important that like there's good, there's bad, but look at where we are now. There's a playbook. There are answers. One of the great points you make is if you're a CEO today and you're building your company, you sure as hell shouldn't build it like I built my company because you have that playbook. Experience is king. There are answers as to how to structure yourself. There are answers how to take in money. There are answers on how to protect yourself against things that I went through because when I went through them, there weren't those answers. 
we didn't know how profitable a cultivation facility could be in an emerging market in the first 24 months because nobody had experienced it yet. We now have all that data, right? And so with that data, with that information, based on the experience we helped to create, there should be better decisions being made. There should be new mistakes being made as we figure out what's next. Right. With that said, you have to also look at the fact that it's not like you're in an Uber or something like that that needs or Tesla needs like to be based on valuation to make the decisions because you were making the money. I mean, just uh, the fact of the matter is that in, in the fourth quarter revenues back in 2018, you're talking about quarterly revenues of well, uh, annual $39.8 million. That's according to the October 25th uh, press release the investors put out. That kind of money, you were making the money to go ahead and make the decisions you made. And it's anything you're going to do. That's the other part. You're making the decisions based on what you're making. You're actually making sales. It's collateral. It's sales-based revenue and growth that you can grow based on what you were making. But then, and then yeah. I don't know how much was in the coffers or how much there was investor money also included in the mix, but that's the part. Like you were having, everything was going as it should, but, but there are going to be a lot of factors when it comes to economical or outside factors that could be the U.S. government that can also come into play i mean who knows who else could have been that also the scrutiny and the migrants that they put on you but that's med man that's where it was now you've moved along and then the, then i want to ask you about before we go to break where you landed right after it took a while to get to the next place but you and ex-president andrew modlin then found yourselves working for a separate cannabis company in santa barbara california called coastal dispensary retail the, the delivery distri distribution manufacturing licenses in multiple cities in Southern California, the Central Coast, and you've since left that environment. Now, talk to me about the approach of still staying in the space and then finding a new haven to jump back in. Optimally, uh, you this was the next step in the career in cannabis that you had. What was it about this immediate, this next step, where just to land somewhere? Talk to me about the reasoning behind that and where, why this felt like a great step wasn't going to be for a long time, but this was the next step to take after MedMen. Well, yeah, and, and I think the first part of this question was, were you mad when you left, and then how did you get there? Man, just on that, not to ignore that. Yeah, you know, I was over 10 years of my life, and it was my whole life. Um, and so I very much believe inevitably at the stage that company got to, I was not going to be able to be the CEO anymore. And too many battle scars to go any further and looking back, like the fact that I lasted that long is, is pretty, pretty impressive. Um, but, you know, um, uh, regardless of when that tenure ended, um, it would be bittersweet, right? That was that was my everything. And so now you wake up the next day and you don't go to your everything. What are you going to do? So that's real. And me being honest is that you're like, yes, that was it was a very discombobulated time for me. Um, you know how it happened. I don't want to dwell on the corporate drama. But a judge ruled that, you know, I was fraudulently induced into resigning. Um, and, you know, that was a three-year thing post me leaving that just recently got resolved in my favor, um, which, you know, is it's just so important for me just from a story perspective. You know, the multi-millions that they now owe me is secondary, um, but also amazing. Um, but, you know, then, then, you know, finding myself, figuring out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, right? This, this is my passion. This is the one thing on this planet other than my family that 
I just wake up every day thinking about, I actually care about, um, truly care about. And, you know, I, I didn't know where I would apply that, uh, to be honest. And then what was, what was flattering was, you know, I think that people around me started, you know, pushing me, um, uh, before I was even ready to, you know, believe in myself again. And so, you know, finding myself over on the project we did with Coastal was really, you know, at the invitation of, you know, a group of people that understood even maybe before I was ready to fully embrace it again, but understood that I had a playbook now, right? I had this experience and I understood things that they would now have to go through. And so why not, you know, start their place of where, you know, my baseline of information so they grow on top of that. And so that was like the impetus for that invitation into that project, which, you know, we, we had one operating store and within a year, um, you know, we were able to sell a, a chain of stores uh, at the time for 56, uh, for, for a lot of money to a public company. Um, for me, you know, that was a really fun project because one of the things I wanted to do once I was ready to step back up was, you know, I wanted to start combating this noise about California. Right. Um, God, if I have to hear anymore about California and 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 it being a problem, right? And nobody's standing up for the most important marijuana market on planet Earth. You know, I just, I couldn't have it. And so, you know, showing that public companies care about California, showing that they would pay for it and showing you could have a successful business here while these, you know, other companies flee California, that became important to me again. And so that's really the, the, the impetus for Coastal, which was a project we're real proud to have done. And, you know, now that's, I'm fully immersed again, man. I've got, you know, multiple of those projects going on and they're all to the same end. It's, it's all, it's all pushing, pushing the, this movement forward. That's why I'm going to ask you about the little later on, but oh, just to get back to the point and we're going to go to break. I mean, when I think about, I mean, how many different CEOs or founders that became, had to be the CEOs and how, you know, there's always something where, you know, they're not, they don't get to stay around in the company forever. I think about Uber with uh, Garrett Camp and Travis Kalanick. Or Steve Jobs at Apple. Those examples, hey, all the legacy you put behind, that can't be taken away from you. You did that. You did all that, and you took the 10 years, you created the Cannabis Unicorn, and you're going to have a model that many other companies are going to follow for, you know, for decades. It's just going to be that way. And think about it, too. I mean, how many other CEOs or founders do we also know the same way? Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, all under fire. They're going to be constantly under, they're going to be taking arrows from every different direction is who's going to be able to survive. It's doggy dog, this business as any big business. I mean, that's, you know, publicly traded and growing at the level. And when everybody else wanted to be the med, the med men, just like you, that's the other thing too. There's probably a little bit of, uh, you know, envy on top of everything else. So I'm going to come back to you. Next segment is going to be a lot because we're going to talk about some of the things that were talked about upon you leaving med men that have been spoken in the press. I'm going to take one particular hit piece and just take a couple of questions out of that and ask you about it. But then after that, I also want to go and ask you then, uh, we're going to go through some of those articles that, that just did not do well and did not play nice. But I also want to find out where things go for you in the future and your thoughts about where things are right now financially for cannabis and just, you know, the economy in general. I'm here again with cannabis advocate, entrepreneur, pioneer, futurist, Adam Beerman here. On Blunt Business, back with more questions after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. 
Tune in to Backstory and Beyond, hosted by Northwood Retail President and Industry Expert, Ward Camp. With over 30 years of experience, Camp has a unique ability to identify game-changing businesses and forecast trends. Follow him as he chats with trailblazing leaders and disruptive founders, sharing their stories and uncovering the best practices that set them apart from their industry peers. Listen on Spotify, Apple, Google, or your favorite podcast platform. Don't miss this Northwood Retail Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Welcome back. I'm here with cannabis advocate and entrepreneur Adam Bierman. You mentioned California, and just if you have to hear, keep hearing that California is a problem, I must may, make that point to this program. I Every time I have a, Cal, a California-based business that I have on, I hate talking about it. I hate talking about the fact that, you know, okay, the governor wants so much tax revenue, a billion dollars is enough every year. You know, he might say, hey, let's go ahead and do interstate commerce. We're going to join with other states, but that's only until legalization actually happens. And then the illicit market, which is just so much to go ahead and tackle in the first place. I can only imagine, you know, it's every state. New York's the same way with problems like that, too. This is not uncommon is what everybody has to deal with. So for the fact that California costs us to be a microsome in Colorado somehow it will not get that much of a scrutiny either. It's not fair. But California is still one of the biggest markets in the US for cannabis. And in the same way, there's a bit of an envy there. And it's a thing where some companies are going to just feel like the, the companies and the press are going to feel like the way the way they're going to feel. Uh so I want to move along now and talk to you about this this article from work week. I was just like you know, media, I wish, I swear to God, can you just go ahead and just report on things? Can we stop being so tabloidistic? So, are we just going to follow the, the the onus of William Randolph Hearst and yellow journalism? Are we just going to continue just to say, okay, we're just going to pick the most salacious parts of things. We're just going to, we want to act like Inside Edition or hard copy when it was back in the day. This is the way that media is right now. So regardless, everything I take right now is with a grain of salt now. Workweek.com, May 2022. I'm going to take this one. There's a hit piece that was inside MedMen's downfall. So on some of the aftermath upon you leading MedMen and the losses that occurred. So I'm going to just take one thing that they talked about this. So in 2019, early, the former chief financial officer, James Parker, in this lawsuit he was, he was filing, he said it was specifying you use company money to pay for various expenses, including 24-hour armed guards for founders and the families, private jets, Cadillac Escalades and Teslas, a $300,000 therapist on staff who ended up being your personal marriage counselor and massage therapist. So amendment denied the claims. And, you know, you won the suit against Parker in November 2021 after years of battling out in court. And the judge ordered to pay the legal fees of MedMen $612,000. 
this kind of thing is just sloshing mud across, just throwing mud at everything that's going on. The animosity within the company, Adam, talk to me about that and the arrows you took on the way out. I think when you talk about animosity in the company, I think the kinder way I look at it a few years removed now is what the inexperience of a group of people going through what we went through for the first time in history, right? What that experience individually was like, right? And it was so different for everyone. And I think there were um, a few examples, plenty of examples, right? Of people that found themselves like the former CFO in a situation so far over their skis that, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't know which way was up because you know, keep in mind, right? A couple years earlier, James Parker was helping us with a 30 person company, <laughs> right? And then he finds himself the CFO of a public company, the first of its kind across the board with thousands of employees, et cetera. Right. And so, you know, don't forget. So history shouldn't forget. And people moving forward on this playbook shouldn't forget. When I hired James Parker as a CFO, I could not hire a headhunter. I could not hire a recruiter to work for me to find me a CFO. I mean, I repeat, people would not, there was not a recruiter that would take my money because I was marijuana. They were too fearful of losing their book. So when I found James Parker, the only way to find a CFO for me at that time was through my network, which I wasn't a public company person. So, you know, there are plenty of people like him that got over their skis. And then as opposed to having humility in the moment, or as opposed to having introspection in the moment, you know, ego kicks in and in the moment you start saying, well, the reason I can't do this job well is everybody else. And unfortunately, that's what happened with Parker. And he goes ahead and um, there were plenty of undisclosed, you know, what I call uh, blackmail using, you know, California labor law situations where someone would get fired and then the insurance company would pay them $25,000 versus, you know, dealing with their lawyer who claimed their manager, this, whatever, right? That's just running a thousand person company in the United States today. But with James Parker, right, you have an executive that then tried to blackmail the company and said, unless you pay me all this money on my way out, I'm going to make up something and sue you. And so that's what happened, right? And so when you talk about animosity, I don't, it sucks because the way that he made up this lawsuit yeah. to attack my character to try to extract money from us, it's pretty... It's pretty acrimonious you say, you know, animosity, but I look at it as like a flailing individual that, you know, can't accept on their own their limitations. So, you know, that's taking advantage of whatever. And look what happened. Not only did he get nothing, but he can't even afford to pay what he's supposed to pay me for putting me through that nonsense. But as your point is, there's no LA Times or New York Times expose following up on the made up articles that took what he said at face value, right? Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, that goes on to the next part where it, it's where the media is. I mean, where regardless of how things happen with that CFO and they're putting the charge out here, and the court and the court looked at everything otherwise. I mean, no matter how it was mediated, no matter how it was, it was looked at, he made the case and, you know, lost in the end because that's just the way it was. That's, that's how it was going to work. Now, there's that infamous marathon political article. By the way, we can already talk about you know, the bias that a political has. I made a political on this program. I could care less. I just see when, you know, you're going to take so much time to go ahead and target some companies and just take this story, which I don't know how much of it could be 
factually correct because on top of that, news companies like like the Politico money. They're losing to independent journalists that go on Substack or other places. They're running on limited staff. They're fueled by desperation, and they must bottle to their betters that might be political uh, advocate or political alliances or the other organizations that must do their they must do their bidding. So they're going to go along and say that. And so the demise of Menman, they said it was. I'm going to just take a quote from the article, quote, Medman was a country's hottest pot startup until it flamed out. Its fall has exposed the gap between green rush hype and the realities of a troubled industry. The whole idea was they wanted to go ahead and make it where it was a big microscope to say, see, cannabis is dead on arrival because it's not going to make it. It's not going to get legalized. Da, 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 da. It's bullshit. Complete Bullshit. People don't want to just see that this company, that this industry is going to rise and it's going to succeed. It will get legalized. It's just inevitable. But it's just a matter of how long it can be held off. But either which way, it didn't stop anything like a MedMen that you were running and you had co-founded to move forward and to get where it was today to even make the openings for all the other MSOs to have right now. But mainstream media is another thing where I'll put it like this too. There are no, there's not enough spokespeople. And if there are, the spokespeople that go through on like a seven minute hit on Laura Ingram on Fox News and blow her out of the water without letting her put her snide, you know, sanctimonious comments out on the air in the first place. And it could go for the same thing for any other mainstream channel, for MSNBC, for CNN, pick it. Any of those networks, you want to get somebody on, I never get to see enough. I'm honestly really going to say, I don't see anybody that can properly represent cannabis to make us look at such a good light because I know the media wants to pick and choose who they want to bring on the air, who they want to focus on. So pick MedMen on the way down. That's the whole idea. But they don't have the guts or the stones to actually do investigative reporting, to actually talk about what things are doing well. And when they get to realize, hey, man, you know, uh, everybody, everybody, everybody readers, everybody viewers, cannabis is going to be part of your life very soon. It's going to be normalized. Just get ready for it. Get used to it. You know, take the take that and suck on it because it's just that's just the way of life. That's just what it's going to be. So, Adam, my question to you is: talk about this mainstream media and how they used you as a scapegoat, or the company as a scapegoat to predict to predict the ill-conceived narrative of the cannabis industry's eventual downfall. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think here's what's important, right? Here's what gets lost in all of this in 2017 and 18. Our, my retail stores were generating more sales per square foot than Apple. Yeah. Um, that's just a fact, right? So when it came to brick and mortar retail, I don't think that there were stores in North America that generated higher per square foot um, revenue than we, I was. And so, you know, when we, when we, you know, use um, hyperbole, you know, and we talk about, you know, hype and rush and this and that, like, let's, you know, all the way down to just the facts, right? The facts are, that's what was happening at that time. And that is more than an exciting enough um, reality to bet on um, expansion, right? You're doing that well in those boxes and you're able to expand them and you're seeing at scale, you do even better. That bet makes a lot of sense. That's number one. I think, you know, number two, um, you know, you might have said it or, or they said it, you know, you said beat up on MedMen on the way down. The point I really like to make is, you know, I started this with $13,000 that, right. you know, was borrowed somehow 
in 2010. So on the way down from what? Um, a $13,000 with me only having a bicycle to ride and I didn't have a car at the time with a little 600 or 500 square foot storefront that we opened a dispensary in and now it's MedMen and now we're talking about it and you went to the store in Florida and now MedMen, there's an option to buy MedMen from Tilray. Tilray is a multi-billion dollar company that already trades on the NASDAQ and the minute that they're allowed to, they're going to buy MedMen on the way down from what, from where? Obviously, everything has peaks and valleys. And when you talk about emerging explosive industries, those peaks and valleys are booms and busts. But MedMen's nowhere. We're still talking about it, right? And so, you know, I think I think it's about learning from the booms and busts because bet your ass they'll be the next one. The minute these companies can trade on the NASDAQ and NYSE, you think the boom and bust of what happened in Canada is going to look like child's play. Tilray, again, will be worth... $50 billion the minute that happens, right? So yeah. I think it's just where are we on this, you know, historical curve? Um, and, you know, it, it's easy for anyone to check in and create clickbait based on, you know, where where we might stand in that moment, um, if that makes sense. Right. Oh, no, don't, and by the way, I was the one that said about the, that, that they decided to go ahead and take shots on men, men on the downfall. That's me saying that. Because I know how the media was. I went to school for that, and I actually worked in radio, television, and newspaper. I see how that works. But you know what? That's why there's a digital disruption now. And all those mainstream legacy outlets, they're all falling by the wayside. They're just, they're on a slow death, all of them. And you know what? That's what, that's what they get for just this type of behavior, not just for men, but for a reporting of this kind all the time. But look at what, you know, and I, 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 I might... I'm like the kind stoner, you know? So I'm like, give everybody a chance, even if right. they're beating me up. But, you know, it's like, look at consumption, though. What do people want to consume, right? Because what's lost in this MedMen narrative, right, is, you know, MedMen really came to be because, you know, I wanted to make sure m m marijuana was accessible to sick people, right? And, like, that's how this started. And, you know, we look at opioid epidemic and we look at the decrease in all of the abuses. We look at the decrease in crime. We look at all these these realities that we now have data to back up, um, you know, and we're saying, hey, marijuana does make the world safer, healthier and happier. I know I, Adam, have been saying that for a long time, but I didn't have any data. I just believe that. So now there's this data and we're talking about the caricature of me on South Park or we're talking about some hit piece Politico wrote, you know, to try to turn into a book or a miniseries to your point, because they have to monetize that content. But what's being lost is, you know, we haven't legalized weed uh, in any new states in any meaningful way anytime recently, right? And every time it comes up federally, we get nowhere. And when I was involved, right, we would put sick people in front of a microphone and say, you guys are missing the point. You realize you're restricting access, right? We would get real with it. We would also get real and say, hey, and we're the suits. And here's the tax contributions that this is making to the community. And we're also the data people. Here's the health contributions this is making. How dare you? I will publicly shame you, right? Now, what do you see? You see these things not happening and you see the people against them bragging about the fact that you're not going to come in here in California, my state. It's like, really? You're not going to provide access to keep your people in your state healthy and happy? Well, good for you, you know? Right. Um, oh, and and so, not to mention the, the microscope, like we were talking about earlier when it came to the attorney general following along on the deal that you wanted to make with Pharmacan at the time there amendment. But then also I think about the fact of 
You think of the same way with the scrutiny that the government has with the FDA hemp bill, right? They're going to have to redo the hemp bill now for 2023. Imagine, remember, we can't get research for certain institutions, for academic, uh, you know, for universities to get the research so they can get the, the plant that they need to do research, to do the studies, to do the, the documentation, do the research papers, the, you know, double-blinded clinical trials to see what other things clinic cannabis can do as well. We don't have that either because there's these constant obstacles. But, oh, nobody wants to talk about the obstacles, the things that these roadblocks continuously being put in the way of patient care or patient access or research to show, hey, maybe there's some of these big pharma drugs that we don't need anymore. Cannabis can be something that would have better treatment than some of those other ones, but we're not going to have a chance to find that out right away because there's this constant pushback. And as long as legalization and decriminalization and Schedule 1's in place, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. So the, I want to bring up one point before we can wrap up. We go to another break. Uh, you talk about how you, you talk about Apple. But you know what? One thing I'll tell you that's a bigger difference between MedMen and Apple was while you had the, that great layout, the aesthetics that everybody talks about looks like an Apple store, right? But you're not you're not relying on the next great phone or laptop to sell somebody for $1,400 or $3,000 a pop. Like you're not luring people that. You just had great, consistent, quality products. So you had a consistent product we were going to go to all the time, and you're not relying upon this gimmick of like, we got to give you something new because our product only lasts for so long, and it's not the next great thing. This is going to be next year. Here's another one. Here's another one. You got to keep buying or else you're not part of the click. That's that whole idea. So anyway, uh, I want to ask you about the future, Adam, when it comes to the market itself for cannabis, uh, where things are investing, entrepreneuring into the space. And, you know, what? what's the next steps for you? or What steps have you already taken now going forward? What are you working on now that you can tell us about? So, again, I'm here with cannabis advocate and entrepreneur Adam Bierman here on Blunt Business. Back with final questions after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Been having a wonderful conversation with Adam Bierman, a former founder and CEO, former co-founder and CEO of MedMen Enterprises and a cannabis advocate entrepreneur. I've had a great time talking to you about all this and I really appreciate you taking some real tough questions for me. This is, I, I don't, I'm always a little bit weary about doing interviews like this where I have to kind of confront some of the negatives that have been put out there, but I appreciate you being so upfront and forward with me about this and straightforward. I really appreciate that. And with that said, some of the areas have been top of mind for you have included now the future of where global cannabis companies are now consolidation, success, and failure transformation, and mainstream local through multinational participation will play a role, plus how the future of global cannabis markets and their regulatory challenges upcoming and their opportunity. So what areas, without going too into the weeds on those two areas, just basically the areas that cannabis businesses should be most concerned with if you were still at the helm and so not to affect the future growth of revenue. What what are the areas that you would say maybe two or three that are really point of mind right now? Uh, there's only one. 
Okay. Um, there's only one basic for me, um, area of focus for the next generation of marijuana businesses. And that is for them to use the playbook that exists as a starting place for their adventure. That's all that matters. There aren't three things, right? It's not like, you know, make sure that you, you know, incorporate this way and grow at this pace. No, no, no. Because every business is different and every opportunity is unique. Um, and every opportunity has its own set of challenges. However, we are, in my opinion, about a decade into, you know, this being an actual industry now. Um, and with that, it doesn't matter if you're receiving one of the new licenses in Florida, if you're expanding into New Jersey and it's the first time you've gone into another market, um, or if you're just growing inside of your own market, um, there's a playbook that exists. Somebody's done most of what you're trying to do before. And you must, in my opinion, um, you must use that as your starting place so that you are avoiding making the mistakes that the generation one businesses had to make to create this playbook for you. I want to ask one last question. It's another well, more or less of a hit piece because this is another op-ed. Bloomberg recently wrote about the financial status of cannabis in the wake of the recent banking failures of the likes of Silicon Bank, Valley Bank, and others. And I just want to make a point that uh, the story that I'm taking here, as well, just really quickly pulling it up, I want to just take a, a real quick quote from here that they talked about, they, the whole scenario of cannabis and the market itself. Now, quote, despite a similar model of trying to build a business in drugs that are still federally illegal and a significant crossover of investors, Pod has forged a totally different path with voter campaigns and political lobbying that have helped usher in state-level legalization. Uh, with the week of bank turmoil, turmoil that we're dealing with right now with the likes of Silicon Valley Bank, uh, it became apparent that cannabis has more potential for fallout because marijuana companies didn't go the FDA route and began selling at the state level without federal legal support. The only banks will serve willing to serve cannabis companies are mid-size affected by financial turmoil. Not, not a bad point to make, but now moving along, they said, it isn't the first example of the problems arising from cannabis's legal purgatory. Cashless ATM workarounds and the credit card systems have been shut down. A loophole in the federal farm bill has led to the proliferation of cannabis products synthetically derived from hemp that now threatens the state licensed companies that deal in traditional plant-derived THC. So these issues they bring up, you know, it's something to do discuss. Coming out of the other side of inflation, which I believe we're in a recession as well, and a somewhat similar resembling of the 2008 banking collapse that we had before because banks are starting to default at the moment. I don't like the fact that we're going to have to be paying for some of these banks to recover funds instead of letting them fail. Uh, what is Adam Bierman paying attention to in the direction of where cannabis is going in this very volatile climate economically? I think the latest numbers that I saw was the, there's an, uh, the guesstimate is there's about almost $200 billion of total addressable market for cannabis globally. Um, I know for a fact every single day that I have the great pleasure of opening my eyes in the morning, more people use cannabis as part of their daily wellness routine than did the night before when I went to sleep. I know every day when I wake up, there are additional states and countries that have made movement overnight making cannabis access legal for people that live there. Um, and so, you know, and I know in a place like Colorado, 
where we've had time to see once you know the honeymoon period uh, weans off what what participation looks like, and it's in the low twenty percentile for adults. Um, and I also know for a fact that if I get on the internet today and I search, you know, current status of marijuana industry, none of that will come up. I know all I'm going to read about is what you just talked about: banking problem, this legalization, that skipping around. Dude, I, I don't, I don't want to smoke hemp. I don't want to take a pill made by a pharma company to make me feel good because it's derived from, you know, synthetic or even natural cannabinoids. I want to smoke weed. Right. That's I want to use cannabis. Right. This is a plant that was put on this planet that matches with humanity. And it, for me, makes me a better human. And I don't want to mess around about it. Right. And so there's a lot of people that feel the way I feel. And the more people that use cannabis and integrate it in a healthy way into their everyday life, they feel the same way. And that's where we need to get but we're only going to get there if that's what we focus on. And it's going to take us to focus on that. To your point, who is on television ex- talking about that in contrast of all these other headlines? And so if anything, you know, that's where my passion is. And if anything, and there's any dent that I can now make moving forward, business aside, it's hopefully there. Inspiring people to stand up and speak these realities so that we don't lose track of what's in front of us. So, Adam, couldn't really read a whole lot about what you're doing these days. So I wanted you to go and take a minute and tell us what you have been working, what, what projects are point of mind for you right now, and what is ahead for you. And if people want to go ahead and get in touch with you and get in contact and follow along with you, what, what you're doing right now, how can they do all that? Well... Um, fun fact, you, I don't know if you do three fun facts at the end. Fun fact is I've never logged into Facebook or social media myself in my life. How about that for a fun fact at 41 years old? Um, so uh, uh, the easiest way for anyone to get a hold of me, I think, would be through LinkedIn. Um, and there's there's message there and that gets to me. Um, what am I working on now? Um, I am working on two different things. One is the moving the ball forward to end prohibition and wherever I can be helpful there, that is my contribution and that's my passion. And that's, you know, where I think I can, I can have an impact. Um, and, uh, on the business side, I'm working with companies that want to be there for what's next. And I've got some companies that I'm, I've got this amazing opportunity to play the role of the person that wasn't there when I was building MedMed. Right, the person that wasn't there for me to call and say, "Hey, I've never been through this. What happens next? What should I be prepared for? How should I think about this? That I screw this thing up?" There was not that person for me, um, and that's the role that I'm really excited. I'm I'm starting to fill for some of the a couple of these companies that I'm really excited about, um, and so I think I'll be doing that. You know, playing that kind of role for a few select organizations that I've got a deep level of connect, uh, conviction in. Fantastic. I really appreciate you taking time out to go and talk to us. And out of time, I got to get to another interview. But I really, I love that we got all this covered. And I really appreciate it again being so forward and taking on the taking on this right here. But like I said, I wanted to make this a good haven for you, give you the chance to go ahead and make your point said and get to some important issues here. And I think we covered a lot of ground. So again, uh, Adam Bierman, the former founder and the former co-founder, excuse me, and CEO of Ben Men Enterprises. 
and I hope we can always keep the door open. I'd love to keep the door open for you for any future things that are coming up down the line. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you making time for us and being accessible. And after, after everything that's gone on, it's been really great to have you on. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate your time. We'll talk. We'll do it again. And folks, I hope you really enjoyed this conversation. Please make sure if you haven't done so, rate and review the program, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I see what Spotify has a nice little spot where you can actually leave, reply it with comments on what you thought of the program. So for this particular episode, I'd love to see what you're going to say about it. And if you want to reach out to me, make any comments to me privately without putting it out in the space, then please reach out to me, Brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O at CannabisRio.com. And love to hear from you. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.